Rich and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy Saturday, everybody. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It's your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. Mitch and Steve back together again for the second straight week. We're on a streak, Steve, of hosting together. Let's not ruin it. Yeah, no kidding. Let's not ruin it now. Let's not ruin it, whether it's, you know, me randomly not being here or you attending to something else, whatever it is. Let's just let's just keep a streak going. You know, get a hitting streak going. Maybe we'll get to 56 in a row or something like Days that. Days since incident. We need to get one of those <laughs> countdown clocks. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have to erase the whiteboard too much. So, uh, anything happened yesterday? Uh, not much. Uh, oh, the Phoenix Suns went uh, bargain they, bin shopping. Woof. They really went shopping. And by really, I mean really. So think about last year. Because I just want to compare the two seasons for just a moment. Think about last year when free agency started. Well, the biggest thing probably locally was Kevin Durant has requested a trade and the Suns are at the top of his wish list. And for the rest of the day, it was, how are they going to get KD? How are they going to get KD? How are they going to get KD? The rest KD? of the day, the rest of the summer. Like, okay. <laughs> I, I'm focusing and then on six just, months after that, too. I was focusing on just the day, but yes. Right. Exaggerate the point. Of course, on that same day, Devin Booker agreed to his Supermax extension. So thumbs up there. But they didn't really make any signings. Until later in the week with Damian Lee. Damian Lee was their first offseason acquisition because of the whole our attention is now focused on how to get Kevin Durant to Phoenix kind of thing. Now fast forward to a year later. This team has Kevin Durant. This team has Devin Booker. This team now has Bradley Beal. And you can see the difference in game plan from the Phoenix Suns and how aggressively they attacked the market yesterday. Uh, Yeah, it was actually quite the opposite of what I anticipated. So if you tuned in yesterday during the shows, I was filling in with Kellen Olsen uh, on Wolf and Luke about 24 hours ago. And I kept telling listeners, if you're waiting for the Suns to make a move on day one of free agency, don't hold your breath. I said that multiple times. And what happened in the first five minutes? They come out with one, then two then three signings, and 15 minutes later, another one. 15 minutes later, another one. So you're I mean, telling me people are allowed to breathe now? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> the Suns are done. I mean, for all basically. intents and purposes, they're basically done with filling out the roster after day one. When I thought that a lot of these players that they ended up getting, the Kata Bates, the, uh, the Drew Eubanks, uh, Metu, some of these guys— I thought that they were going to go out and look for a little while, try mm-hmm. to figure out— what it was they were worth on the open market to a team, you know, a team that's not the Suns, a team like the Magic or a team like the Pistons, where they're not a great team yet, but maybe they can offer a little bit more money. Because as you know, in free agency, especially in the NBA, you have two things you can offer a player, money or a role, a specific role. And the Suns didn't have money, so they had to have roles to give out. And clearly, players like... Bates Diop and Eubanks, they look around the league like at a Bruce Brown yesterday who signs a big money deal after being on a contending team, the championship team, in fact. And they're like, that could be me next year. I could cash out next year if I play one year at the minimum, but I'm a possibly a starter or a significant role player on a Suns championship team. Yeah, it's funny. So our Empire of the Suns coverage team of Kevin Zimmerman and Kellen Olsen, they had been working on, you know, free agency preview stories, like focusing on different positions. And Kellen in particular kind of emphasized what you just said, that tier of players that, hey, if you're willing to take this money now, we say we do a one and one 
We're going to make it worth your while so you get that big payday next year. And you use the perfect example with Bruce Brown. So can that work out for Drew Eubanks? Can that work out for Keita Bates-Diop? Can that work out for Chemezi Metu? Can that even work out for Yuta Watanabe? At the same time, you also have some retention. You brought back Damian Lee, and you brought back Josh Akogi. So this roster feels more in the vision of what Frank Vogel kind of wants it to be. Whereas the year prior, it was very, all right, well, now we have to adjust how we're approaching this because we won 64 games in the 22 regular season. And what did that get us? It got us nothing. We got to play faster. We got to have more options for scoring. And we're kind of hamstrung because we have this Kevin Durant little leaf hanging over us. We're waiting for it to fall off the tree, but it's still not falling off the tree. So we got to be ready to go with something. Now you're ready. Yuta Watanabe, he can shoot catch-and-shoot threes. Keita Bates-Diop, sneaky, but he can catch-and-shoot threes. Damian Lee, as we already know, is a good catch-and-shoot three. They have so many better options than what they were left with after the Durant trade last year. They're setting themselves up for a much better season in 2023-24. Yeah, and you got to approach this from the right perspective, right? This is bargain bin shopping. 100%. None of these players on their own are anything spectacular, right? But, like you said, each one fills a specific purpose. Watanabe being a spot-up shooter. Josh Akogi, while he shot the ball well last year, really it's his defensive efforts that are probably more valued here. Uh, Eubanks, one of the best uh, efficiencies in shot blocking and defense Bates Diop is super long for a wing player who can play the three or four. I kind of envision him in the Tory Craig role that they played. He played last year. Damian Lee, you already talked about. So all these guys, while they're not special necessarily on their own, they can do one thing or maybe if you're lucky, two things really, really well. And they're going to fill out the roster that way. I equate it to uh, my girlfriend sends me videos on TikTok. I don't know if you're on TikTok. I try to avoid it. But if I'm you're not on TikTok, well, then you're already behind the rest of society. But I can't help you there. <laughs> but she sends me these videos from an account where it's a guy who goes around to his uh, celebrity like chef friends. Right? These are some of the best chefs in America, best chefs in the world. And he hands them a $20 bill and says, go to the grocery store, use this $20 bill, and make me an amazing meal that I'll never forget. And this is every video that he does. And so they go to the store, they buy, you know, a shallot or two. They buy Kraft mac and cheese from the box. Things that cost a dollar or two, right? I think I see where you're going with this. And then in the end, they come back to the kitchen. They cook it all up. He makes, I don't know, some sort of pasta dish you've never seen before. And all of a sudden he turned his $20 or sometimes $10 into a three-star Michelin restaurant type meal. Right. And that's what James Jones was tasked with doing, and he did it. He went to the grocery store with 20 bucks, and he came back with Kraft Macaroni and Cheese and Kata Bates Diop, and he, he got some shallots <laughs> and Drew Eubanks, and he threw them into a pot and cooked it on high heat, and he turned it into something that all of us think is going to taste pretty darn good. Here's, here's the biggest thing about it, though. We haven't tasted it yet. Not we've, officially. We've gotten... It, it looks good, though. You know what we've seen? We've seen the reviews... We've gotten the whiffs from just like outside the doors. You're passing the front door of the restaurant. And you get like a whiff, right? We've gotten a taste of Utah Watanabe can shoot from over 40% from three. We've gotten a taste of Drew Eubanks has gotten a lot of starts with Portland last year because Yusuf Nurkic was hurt. We have the, we have the idea. We've gotten the whiff. We don't have the full, 
I'm not digesting this yet. I don't fully comprehend what this is going to be. Here's something else. Watanabe, Metu, Bates, Diop, Eubanks, and I believe Okogi as well. You know what they all have in common? They're under the age of 30. And if I even want to go lower, I believe they're all under the age of 29. These are not a bunch of dudes that are on their last leg, per se, or have been around for a while. Like last year when they got TJ Warren back in the Durant trade, they got Terrence Ross off of the waiver market, or the buyout market, excuse me. These are all guys that are just looking for their second chance, more so. Like Bates Diop's played for a couple of teams already. Metu didn't was a high prospect out of USC, but hasn't really done much with the Kings, right? Like, these are all guys looking for that second opportunity more than anything else. And I think that's going to motivate them more than the fact that I could parlay this into a big payday rather than I can motivate myself to play at a level and have a high role with a championship-level team. And uh, the ever-working John Gambadoro tweeted from I Italy yesterday. I wish he would stop working. Gambo, <laughs> if you can hear me, stop working. He can stop now. They're done. They're pretty much filled Twitter's out. Twitter's broken anyway. Uh, go back to your Milan pizza or whatever they do over there. Uh, probably pasta dish. Um, <laughs> I think you bring up a good point, though, because he said yesterday that they're more likely to go after young veterans with some athleticism than older guys. Clearly, they did that. He knew that all along. Yes. But I, I think also to that point, I mean... I think there was a sense of urgency with James Jones before the the I don't know when you're officially allowed to start talking to free agents. We all know that there's tampering behind the scenes, right? We we can all acknowledge no, that. No way that because these guys are signing done. their deals the yeah. minute free agency starts. We're pretty sure no they've way had they had conversations. Call someone like as soon as six p.m. Eastern, and it was like, hey, do you want to sign here? Like, no, right, they had been preparing. Come so on. I think what he does is he goes to the agent of or the player and says, "Hey, K debates D up." I realize you can probably get the mid-level exception somewhere else. You could probably go to an Orlando or a Detroit, and you could be a a significant chunk of their payroll next season. Or I can offer you right now the opportunity to maybe even be a starter next to Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Maybe you're a significant role player. You're the first guy off the bench. Hey, Josh Okogie, you're going to be playing defense for this team while the other guys are getting buckets. Hey, Drew Eubanks, you're going to be our top shot blocker behind DeAndre Ayton. You're going to be the only guy relieving him for the most part. I think that he can go to these guys and say, this role is on the table for you. And it's take it or leave it right now. Because I need you on day one of free agency. Take it or leave it. And I think that that worked brilliantly. And I I don't know, maybe there were some other guys that they wanted that they didn't end up getting. But because of the fact that all these guys signed so quickly yesterday, it makes me feel like they were all super on board with that strategy. I want to leave you with this. Because, of course, Bradley Beal was introduced on Thursday, officially. Devin Booker ran into a reporter with WHAS. I'm not sure where that affiliate is. But he was asked about the Beal acquisition. It's very short and sweet. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun time. <laughs> Pretty plain and That's simple. It. Yeah. No, that I mean, it is going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. There's no doubt. And remember, it wasn't that long ago that Devin Booker was not having a good time because he took that loss against the Nuggets pretty hard for good reason. Mm-hmm. And he got right back in the gym. What of all the videos we've been seeing, they're of him and uh, Kevin Durant in the Bahamas. In the Bahamas. Put, put, putting mm. up shots. Yeah, that's interesting, mm. too. I wonder who comes from the Bahamas. Yeah, who might that be? Mm. Coming up next, there was breaking news to start the day. Again, for the second consecutive week. Damian Lillard wants out. Where's he going to go? 
That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Because there's never a dull moment in the NBA, Damian Lillard just threw another wrench into free agency. According to Woj, Ramona Shelburne, Sham Sharani has got it as well. Damian Lillard has requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. The Miami Heat, the Brooklyn Nets are among the suitors, according to Shams. I would think that there's probably a couple of others. I even heard the name uh, Spurs thrown out there. Obviously, a team Bobby in a Marks, different position. Our buddy from ESPN, he's doing the trade machine all day today. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I do wonder if they had the day off and all of a sudden Damian Lillard wants to be traded. Okay, everybody, come back in. <laughs> we need you back in the studio. Bobby, get the, get the screen ready to go. Can, can we pause real quick? Just yeah. on, still on the Lillard topic, obviously, but... Didn't we know this was coming? Probably. Not just, I, I don't mean, oh, the reports are out there. I don't mean the, he's been on record when asked about four different teams. He said, oh, I would love to go to blank. The Portland Trailblazers, they drafted Scoot Henderson. And then they signed a big money deal to Jeremy Grant. When you look at it and you think about it, you're like, oh, oh is this working? Hold on. This was going to happen. Like, I'm sorry. The the way that Portland was reconstructing their roster, I don't think it had Dame Lillard in mind. Well, the thing is, from what I had heard, he basically told them, put the pieces around me to be a contender or else I want out. But funny enough, Jeremy Grant was one of those pieces. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, it's... And Jeremy it a Grant's a sword move. I don't know what just happened here. Listen, Jeremy Grant's a fine player, but that doesn't make the Portland Trailblazers a contender all of a sudden. No, I mean, he no. was already there, and they weren't a contender. So, uh, I think Damian Lillard just finally pulled the trigger on what was probably inevitable. You're probably right about that. And so today, oh, I don't know if the trade request officially came today. It kind of feels that way because of the urgency, but. Now the question is, what do the Trailblazers want? Because if they're going to accommodate the trade, which it looks like they're trying to do. Yeah. We know Damian Lillard wants to go to Miami. We know that's probably his number one choice. He would play with Jimmy Butler and Bam, and the three of them would form their own big three, and then that could probably win them the East. Or at least I could envision it winning the East. The question is, what do the Trailblazers want? Do they want to do right by Dame? If he says, I want to go to the Heat, make it happen, do they do what the Wizards did for Bradley Beal and move him to Phoenix because he wanted to be in Phoenix? Or do you do what's best for your organization? Maybe there's another team out there like, I don't know, the Oklahoma City Thunder who have a billion first-round picks in the next seven years. But they also have a point guard that they really like. It's not like you can't have two good guards. It's, Suns are doing it. Sure, but Portland did it for a long time. I think team structure wise, I, if Dame wants, if Dame wants to win this year, I don't think Oklahoma City is the place to go. And if you want to breathe a sigh of relief, Suns fans, I don't think he wants to stay in the Western Conference either. Probably not. So that seems more competitive. Let's be real. He met, you, he has apparently put the Heat at the top of his list, right? And the Heat can probably offer the best package to Portland next to. Uh, I don't know, Philly? Depending on what you want back. Philly can offer James Harden I don't in a think, sign and trade. And I don't think Portland wants James Harden, and I don't think James Harden wants to go there, and I don't think Daryl Morey's going to do it that way. Miami can offer Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, a couple of picks. Yeah, but like Miami has a good chunk of their picks. They haven't really sold off anything. They would also probably send Kyle Lowry 
as part of the contractual stuff. And then Kyle Lowry could serve as a mentor to Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons. Or they could just cut him for salary purposes. It, it works out that way, too. There was an interesting thing that happened, though, in regards to Philly being a player in this whole thing. Do you see the news yesterday that Tyrese Maxey is not going to be get, getting an extension this offseason? Interesting. Did you see and then hear what Brian Windhorst had to say about that? One thing I will say, I know Ramona a short time ago reported that the Sixers were not going to extend Tyrese Maxey this summer. You want to know why? Because they might trade him. <laughs> and it's because, you know, he would be a potential piece in a Dame Lillard trade. And that has to be rather enticing to Portland, don't you think? Yeah, I'd rather, I think I would rather trade for some package around Maxey than I would around Harden, personally. Well, okay. So if you're th- building for the future. I think generally the Harden trade is going to be separate from whatever Lillard trade happens. And I think if Philly is going to make that trade, obviously Harden has to be moved first. He's due 35 next year. So they'll probably have to move Harden first and then find a way to get Dame into it. Because Dame is going to be due like 40-something. He's going to be due a lot of money. The reason why it works so well for Miami is because they can offer the draft capital and the relative players that Portland may want to start over with. And Tyler Hero is a pretty good player to be able to start over with. So the thing is, James Harden has already opted in for his 35 and a half that you were talking about. So right. that means he is right now a member of the 76ers. Yes. He's not eligible to be a free agent this offseason. So, yeah, you would have to make two different trades if you're the 76ers. Obviously, Embiid stays. He's the league's MVP. Unless it becomes a third team involved in a deal. I guess, and you would send both guys to different teams. Yeah, so like Lillard would find a way to Philly. Harden would go wherever he wants to go, which, heck, it might be the Clippers. Then or, that complicates things, too. Do, do you abide by this, what James Harden this wants? This whole thing is complicated, right? You've got two megastars, let's say, that want out, and they carry with them a heavy tax, literally. So figuring out where they're going to end up becomes a difficult task, basically. And both of these players don't have similar interests in mind. Like James Harden, apparently his top places are like the Clippers and anywhere else that he thinks he can win now. Whereas Dame is looking at Miami and Philly, apparently. What's James Harden's issue with being with the 76ers? This is a a genuine question. I don't know the answer to this. Like, why does he want out? It can't be Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers got fired. Doc Rivers is gone. Now it's Nick Nurse. And I don't think Nick Nurse saw a vision with Harden. What is Harden wanted to be there? What is Harden's issue? And, and the reason I ask is because would that mindset of his change if all of a sudden Tyrese Maxey turns into Damian Lillard? And now you have Joel Embiid, Damian Lillard, and could James Harden stay? Because right now he's a member of the 76ers. They don't have to trade James Harden. No. Like, do they it's want him around? Though. I would think that's a pretty good place to start is James Harden, Damian Lillard, and Joel Embiid. Like, that could work. It could. But we've seen what happened the last time Harden made it clear he didn't want to be somewhere anymore. He gets accommodated. Him, Kyrie Irving, KD. I, we both read the same tweet, I'm sure, that says that uh, the three of them combined for seven trade requests in the last two years, <laughs> and they've all been granted. So, I mean, that's I, player empowerment in the player NBA. Player empowerment, part of it is relationships. Like, James Harden and Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey was the one that bet on James Harden more than anybody else did all the way back to those days in Houston. He was the one that looked at James Harden and said, yep, he can be a number one guy on a basketball team. Guess what, though? He can't be a number one guy on a basketball team. 
if he could, he probably would have won a title by now. Don't you think? He does seem to be the piece that doesn't really work. It's kind of like Russell Westbrook to me. which is, And I know they were teammates, so maybe I'm equating two things. Also, but. I think is totally disrespectful to Harden. Because what he did in going to Philly and essentially becoming a truer point guard and diverting more of his scoring to somebody else, like the assist totals that Harden had in the two years in Philly are higher than any that he had in Houston, obviously. But it was also because he wasn't the number one scoring option, but he also understood he wasn't the number one scoring option. I think it's unfair to criticize Harden in this way, but here I am criticizing Harden in this way, saying he can't be a number one. I don't know. It's a little complex, but I think what James wants is to be the number one guy again. Can we revisit Damian Lillard to the Spurs for a second? It's not the traditional like, okay, I want to go be on a contender. Well, here's the Spurs. They just had the number one pick a week ago. Um, but we all know Victor Wembanyama is coming in. We expect him to be a very good player. I don't know that anybody expects them to be contending right away. But all of a sudden, if the Spurs have the package that the Trailblazers want, let's say really good draft picks, maybe there's some young players in that mix. They do have a couple of good, decent young players. Trey Jones just re-upped with them. Uh, Keldon Johnson's a good young player. So I don't know what that package would look like. But would Damian Lillard entertain the idea of playing for Greg Popovich, a coach that he highly respects, that most players highly respect, for a really good, well-run organization. I know they haven't been a good basketball team in a few years, but but everybody acknowledges that that's a really good organization to be a part of, and you could play with Victor Wembanyama. You could certainly grow into the team that they would become in the next couple of years. You're probably not going to win this year, at least not a title, but maybe you're looking three or four years down the road and you're like, we could win a couple rings. Or it it's a Chris Paul effect. And literally Lillard gets traded there and they're in the playoffs before you know it. And they they get as high as a number two seed in the West or something like that. I don't think it's going to go that far. Look at what but, the Kings just did. Look how quickly the Kings turned around. Yeah. And it's not like they got a Victor Wembanyama. It's not like they got a Damian Lillard. I mean, DeMontis Sabonis was a huge addition to that team, but he wasn't already what he is now. He grew into it with the Kings. De'Aaron Fox was certainly not viewed upon as like a top five point guard in the league. They also made that trade halfway through the prior season and then had a full offseason, got a much better head coach, got better role players around it. It was a quicker turnaround. And I think, to your point, it could happen in San Antonio, too. Coming up next, some really good news for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Things they haven't been doing in almost 20 years. Well, they're going to do it in the next two weeks. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Veraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Swing, high fly ball, deep to left field. Ward is back, turns, looks, it's gone! It's a grand slam for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And the Diamondbacks blow it open. It's 5-0. That was a fun, fun game to watch last night. Good offense early. Great pitching from Tommy Henry. Almost got a quality start last night. Struck out a career-high eight batters in that game. And Otani hit a 900-foot home run. (laughs) So Awesome. I I love what this, like the baseball meme world, I guess we'll call it, where it's Shohei Otani hits his league-leading 30th home run, a 493-foot shot, the longest in Major League Baseball, as the Angels get drowned 6-2 by the Diamondbacks. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, hey, that's the way I'd like it to be. This is why we live. I want to see Otani do amazing things, but the D-backs still win. This is why we live in a world where everybody wants Otani on a team that's going to make it to the postseason. But maybe, maybe this year it'll be the Angels. I'm getting sidetracked. The point being, the Diamondbacks won, got back in the win column after a, another rough home series against the Rays, and a series that basically hinged on the ninth inning in Game Two. Kind of similar to the Braves series that they had a couple of weeks ago where Acuna hits a grand slam to give the Braves the lead, and then the entire series just flips to the opposite end. So good bounce back win for the Diamondbacks yesterday. Yeah, they've really been tested by some of the best teams in baseball lately, uh, some of the best players in the game of baseball lately. I loved the Rays series particularly because I think those two teams mirror each other so well. Yes. You've got Wander Franco on one side, Corbin Carroll on the other, budding superstars uh, at a young age. You've got grizzled veterans throughout the lineup. Neither of their lineups do you look at and you're like, wow, there's some really big boppers in there. They really don't have those guys, but everybody is just solid. Paredes is solid. Mm -hmm. On the D-back side, Gurriel has been really solid, and he's having a bounce back now from his uh, bad last month or so. So, yeah, I, I think it's been really fun to watch. Now this Angels series, there's so many good narratives around it. Uh, obviously, watching Otani hit tanks is awesome. 100%. Even though it's against the Diamondbacks, it's still kind of <laughs> cool. We can all acknowledge that. It's okay. Um, there's the Fletcher story of Dominic Fletcher getting called up. His brother plays for the Angels. Seeing them on the field together is so cool. So, yeah, it's been a really fun last couple of weeks for the Diamondbacks. Now, it's not gotten off without any hitches. So the last game against the Rays, Brandon Fott was on the taxi squad the day before, and then the next day they officially activated him to the roster. And he got beat up. And before we go attacking Brandon Fott, and I'm not saying it's about to be you or I attacking Brandon Fott, but before anybody goes and attacks Fott, the Rays are the best team in baseball. Right. They're good at everything. The Rays are really, really good at baseball. This year... Prior years, they have more wins than anybody in the league. Are we really going to knock the dude because he gave up six runs in two innings to the best team in baseball? I don't think that's fair to do. Which, also, to further my point, do you see what the Rays did yesterday to the Mariners? They were down 4 nothing at one point. They won 15-4. to Okay? <laughs> like, the Rays are a give really up. good baseball team. Yeah, I'm not going to go attacking Brandon Fott because he had another... Rough start in the majors. I think he's still the future of this rotation, but now you're looking at a rotation that only has four pitchers in it because Merrill Kelly is probably not going to be back before the All-Star break. So I don't knock him necessarily for getting roughed up by the best team in baseball. No. I'm with you on that. But the problem is that this is the second time he's been called up and you still have yet to see the flashes that you get in AAA Reno. Which, by the way, it's hard to pitch in Reno. Very uh, you look at some of the stud pitchers they have in Reno right now, none of them look like studs when you look at the statistics because it's just a hard place to pitch. Uh, and so when Brandon Fott had such a high level of success in AAA and then comes up and gets roughed up a few times, I think he had four or five starts in his first time up, he gets his second call-up, and he even talked about how different the second call-up is. Things are familiar. It's not the first time I've been in this dugout. It's not the first time I've been around these guys. It's not the first time I've had expectations heaped on my shoulders. And so you do expect players to do a little bit better as they play a little bit more at the major league level. He did not do that. And I'm not trying to bash the guy. I'm just pointing out some of his numbers are the worst in the game of baseball. 
And I know it's still so early. I'm not ready to give up on Brandon Fought either. But you have a team right now that is in first place in the National League West. And I don't know how many other people feel about it, but I don't think that the Dodgers are going to be bad forever. Uh, Sorry, not the Dodgers. The Padres are going to be bad forever. I don't think the Dodgers will necessarily stay where they're at. I think they're capable of much more than they've done so far. Even the Giants have gone on such a tear uh, lately that this is still a competitive division. And if you plan on winning it, you need to be willing to move off of players who are not performing at the major league level. I mean, look, the, they sent Thomas down. Yep. They I was sent McCarthy down. Up. Yep. They DFA'd a guy who has three championship rings. I mean, it's like, what are we doing here? We don't have time to waste on it's, some of these guys who just aren't performing. It's been a very aggressive approach, approach by the Diamondbacks, and I appreciate it because they're very understanding of the things that they can accomplish this year, to your yeah, point. They're overachieving. They're in first place. They're the second best team in the National League right now. Can we keep that pace up? And if it means sending down the best pitching prospect that we have, so be it, right? right? But now you have a bit of a predicament in terms of how are you going to handle this upcoming quote-unquote fifth day? So you have, I believe, who's pitching today? Ryan Nelson is pitching today. And then you're back to Zach Gallen on Sunday. Monday you have an off day. So you could elevate... Or push ahead the next start for Zach Davies with the pseudo off day on the Monday if you wanted to. Otherwise, you're probably looking at a bullpen game. And I don't think it matters all that much because bullpen games work if you put the right pitchers in there. And Look what the Rays did to you. You're coming up on the All-Star break, too. Let's not forget about that. So you'll have plenty of time to recover. I don't think you need to rush and find somebody else to call up at a moment's notice. I think you can do it with this bullpen that this team has right now. Who else is there to call up? Blake Walston's at AAA. His whip is 1.65 right now with an ERA of 4.72. Is it Slade Ciccone? His ERA is even higher than that, I'm pretty sure. There was um, it's Connor Pilkington was a name that Alex Weiner, who covers the D-backs for us, brought up as well. But that's not going to do it for, that's for fans. That's just it. It's like we keep looking at these options at the lower levels when in reality we know that there's going to be a trade down the road but Hopefully. i don't i don't think for right now you have to stress about getting somebody called up i think you can just make it work with what you have right now probably they can probably afford to do the bullpen thing my first thought is you start a reliever and then you go to dre jameson mm-hmm. um the way that the rays did the other day with zach latell and then they go to ronnie Chirinos you could do like a six innings or whatever how it was. about say a jose ruiz and then Starting you go, the game, you go to Dre for four, or if he can get to five, then great. There, you're already through six innings, and then if you're winning at that point, you can go to your Miguel Castro's, your Scott McGuff, your uh, Chafin, your Ginkle, like your back end guys. That could work for one day, and it's probably only one day that you need. They could do that. I don't know that they would do that, but like you said, there's not really other options in the minors. Uh, does it force them to do some sort of trade that they've got on the back burner that they've been discussing? Uh, we've talked a lot about the needs that they have, certainly in the rotation. That's one of them, and it's hard because we're still about a month away from the trade deadline, right? In fact, I think it might even be a month from today. A literal month. Yeah, but... Can you pull the trigger now when there's so many teams that are still in it? And especially with playoff expansion, so many teams are still in their races that do the Guardians really want to move off Shane Bieber right now? Probably not. Do the Brewers really want to move off Corbin Burns right now? Probably not. Tom Rickett says the Cubs are going to be buyers at the deadline. So are they trading Marcus Stroman? Probably not. There's there's another element to it, and it's 
what other teams are doing yesterday. Rather insignificant to some, but if you're a team that's looking for pitching, the Texas Rangers got to roll this Chapman from Kansas City yesterday. They did, yeah. A solid bullpen piece, having a great bounce back year with less pressure around him, and he's now going to be joining the, one of the best teams in the American League. That was a guy that you and I probably saw as an option in the Diamondbacks bullpen if they were willing to go after another lefty and another hard thrower that Brent Strom really likes to go after. And now he's gone. So you wonder if you have to start thinking a little harder about who you can go after now. Yeah, uh, an option, yes, he would have been an option for the Diamondbacks, not one that I would have wanted. Um, if you've listened to the Ain't No Thing podcast at ArizonaSports.com, uh, you've probably heard me over the last couple of weeks talking about this. I didn't want to roll this Chapman for one simple reason. I don't think he's a good dude. And I know that that's like a bad reason to make a baseball decision. From a baseball perspective, it would have made a lot of sense. I just think that this locker room, this clubhouse is so impressionable with so many young guys. And I'm not saying that human beings don't deserve second chances or that Aroldis Chapman has turned a corner in his personal life. I just don't think that that's the guy I want in my clubhouse. And it's as simple as that for me. But I think it's a great move for Texas from a baseball perspective. They get a lot better. And I think that it is one more option off the table for the D-backs. One more thing we should hit on before we get out, because I don't want to bury the lead too much. Corbin Carroll was not in the lineup yesterday. And it was a bit of a scare in that Thursday game where he got removed for the shoulder tightness. And then we're back at the top of the roller coaster because he was named the NL All-Star outfielder as one of the three voted in. But this was Tori Lovello yesterday just kind of walking through what's the status of Carroll right now. From everything that I've heard so far, the players are just getting into the stadium right now. Um, the contact that was made early this morning, he feels good. Uh, he had a good night's rest. Uh, and I think we just dodged the ball with a little bit of a scare. And, you know, you got to empathize with him. He's, he's, he's a so- shoulder patient, somebody that, that got banged up at one point in time. So every little thing that he feels, he just lets us know. Uh, and I certainly appreciate that. You know, who's to say what could have, maybe, might have, well, all those things. I decided to take him out of the game as, as a precaution. I think we dodged a big bullet, uh, and he'll continue to be day-to-day. So maybe he'll be back in the lineup today. Who knows? We'll Actually, that's pretty good news for Carroll, I think. 100%. Because uh, the worst situation would have been, oh, he's going to be injured for a while and didn't maybe miss the All Star game in his hometown. And didn't he that have a bad. Was it, is the labrum in the shoulder right, or wasn't he? Didn't he have significant soldier? Sh- I don't know, dude. Surgery? I went to medical school so long ago. <sighs> I don't remember. Trev's laughing at me in the other room. <laughs> I would think if you like that guy, I would think if you went school. to medical school, you would at least know where the labrum. I wouldn't is. be here with you. Let's put it that way. Coming up next, so the Suns are basically done, right? Done. Well. Not necessarily. We'll explain how next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I think we all kind of thought that NBA free agency, specifically for the Suns, was going to take a while. But they were going to have to go to players and say, hey, come take less to be a part of our organization. We're going to try to win a championship. And those players would want to test the market, find out what they're worth to other teams. Boy, was I wrong. That is not at all how NBA free agency went for the Suns. And I say went because it's pretty much already over for them. I found this tweet. Eddie Johnson, of course, the uh, heard of him. color analyst for Bally Sports, the uh, at jump shot eight man. He's he's all over the place. Hey, at Suns fans, they say Rome was not built in a day, but damn, the Suns have built a bench in 90 minutes around their four stars and ain't done yet. It's true. 
It's true. And they approached it basically the same way with every single player because all they had to offer was the veterans minimum. Yeah. So they go to Chimezi Metu and give him $2 million. And I'm sure there are player options on some of these guys. So just for whichever ones those were, just yeah. call it out. Josh Akogi, they bring back. Yuta Watanabe, they go and grab him because he was one of the best spot-up shooters in the league last year. And he's played with Kevin Durant. That helps, too. Durant Kata has Bates, good things to say about Watanabe, Oh, too. for sure. Keita Bates-Diop, I think he's one of the guys with the, the option on his for the second year. Mm-hmm. Drew Eubanks, one of the better shot blockers in the league in a smaller role last year. He'll be good behind DeAndre Ayton. Oh, yeah. And they bring back Damian Lee as well. So all those moves happened yesterday. What is that? Six moves I just Six. listed? Four new, two retentions. Now, here's the thing. By our estimation, unless one of these guys is a two-way player or cut, they're now out of roster sp- space. There's no more spots. Yeah, I believe the way that R. Kellen Olsen phrased it is that if Tumani Kamara becomes a two-way... The second-round pick. They have one spot right. left. Or if they see that it's the right decision to cut somebody like an Isaiah Todd who they got in the Bradley Beal deal. He was a throw-in. Mm-hmm. He cost $1.8 million this year, a uh, club option for almost $2 million next year. If they decide Isaiah Todd, not really up to snuff, we could probably find a better role player. They could cut Isaiah Todd, in theory, or yes. any of these other players, although they just signed them all in free agency, so right. I, don't, I can't imagine they would do that so quickly. Uh, Ish Wainwright, I guess, could get cut, but I wouldn't see that happening. I don't know why they would pick up his option if they were going to cut him. Right, so... That's another way you could create another roster spot. But looking position by position, you've got point guards. You've got Cameron Payne. Well, I know. Hold on. Hold on. Do you? Sort of. So you've got Cam Payne. Jordan Goodwin is listed as a point guard. I think he's more of a two. And he's really more of a defensive guy than a distributor anyway. Yeah. Uh, from what I've gathered. You do still have point book, which I think they're going to lean on. That's It's probably going to be starting point book. Right? Probably. And Bradley Beal's going to ha- do some ball handling. Kevin Durant handles the ball quite a bit on his own. So I don't know that they needed three traditional point guards. It appears they have one, and that's campaign. So do you need to use uh, open up another roster space to go get another point guard? Well, I can tell you one that they're not going to get. Uh, it sounds like Patrick Beverly, who I know Suns fans probably didn't want anyway, but he was out there. He's going to Philadelphia. Oh, darn. According to a Woes report. Darn it. And according to the Pat Bev podcast. Thanks, Woj. Nice plug. Um, so he's not an option. Darn, darn, but darn, it's But darn. it's also, generally speaking, you said, do they even really need another point guard? Or the idea is brought up, do they even really need a true point guard? Eh, I don't know. Look at the Denver Nuggets, for example. You're going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but Jamal Murray was never a true point guard. He was a shooting guard. Coming out of Kentucky. Jokic is kind of their point guard. Right. Pretty much. But the two of them work well enough together that they can initiate the offense. Right. But it is not just them two. Aaron Gordon brought up the ball a lot for the offense last year. They had Bruce Brown off of the bench bringing the ball up a lot last year. They didn't really have that traditional true point guard. And I think for the Suns, you have a lot more flexibility as to who's bringing up the basketball. You mentioned Kevin Durant. Do you think... Opposing offense or opposing defenses are going to be ready to go when the seven foot tall Kevin Durant is bringing the basketball up the floor. 
what the hell are you supposed to expect when that's happening? Yeah, and I think, too, that you look at it from a defensive perspective. Because from offensive perspective, they got that covered. They can do anything. Booker's got it. Beal's got it. Durant's got it. Even campaign at times will push the pace. But so look for it. Uh, look at it from a defensive perspective. If you're rolling out a traditional smaller point guard at the one, Bradley Beal, let's say, at the two, Booker kind of fits that three wing. Now Durant is playing the four. That's a smaller guy on the point guard, whereas if you added a Keita Bates-Diop or Chimezi Metu or one of those other guys is playing the wing, now all of a sudden you've gotten a lot bigger in those spots and that shifts Bradley Beal down to guarding the opposing point guard, or mm-hmm. Booker guards the opposing point guard, depending on the matchup. Which you have to imagine either one of them will have the advantage, because the traditional point guard is a lot smaller. And you Book, would think. Book is strong, Beal is strong. They're, they're good, strong bodies on defense. Yeah, and I think Booker wants to take on a bigger defensive role. And it's putting a lot on the guy's shoulders, believe me, to ask him to be point book on a full-time basis and to guard a lot of opposing point guards because this is a point guard-driven league. I mean, look how much people are talking about Damian Lillard, and we're going to talk more about that here in a few. But, I mean, there's so many good point guards or guys who are traditionally looking looked at as point guards like Jamal Murray who really aren't playing that position, but mm-hmm. they're guarded by other guards. I think that they're going to have a defensive ability to match up really, really well. I don't know that they need to add another point guard. I don't think that they do because they have a bunch of guys already who can handle the ball. What I am fascinated by, there was a story that came out prior to the start of free agency or a report that came out from Yahoo's Jake Fisher. I don't know if you saw this. He said that the Suns rescinded the qualifying offer to Jock Landale. And look, fast forward to now. We can see that they seem to have supplemented the big man spot, right? But Jock Landale, Tory Craig, Bismack Biombo, and then I'll throw for the sake of roster consistency, I will throw in TJ Warren and Terrence Ross. Those are five guys that they basically brought back or brought in in free agency and trades, whatever. They're probably not going to be sons next year. And it's weird to think about it in that aspect because the buildup the whole time up until yesterday was, well, they're probably only going to be able to afford their own guys, convincing them to come back for not as much money and give them player options or team options and let them opt out the next year, try and make bank, whatever it is. Those guys aren't coming back. The likelihood is very high that they're not coming back. Does it feel yeah. weird? Does it feel right? The reason it feels a little weird or at least it did yesterday with the way they filled out the roster, is because we all assumed it would be easier to get those players to come back than it would be to convince other guys from around the league to come play for you for the veterans minimum. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be very simple for them to go to Jock Landale and say, hey, you know the role you had with us last year? You're still super important to us, and we could envision a role where you're even more important this coming year as the primary backup without Bismack Biombo, And then that is a reason for him to come back. I think what they did is they looked at a guy like Drew Eubanks and they say he's really, really good at one thing, and that's protecting the rim. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they've been missing, even when they have Landale, even Biombo at times. That's going to be the upgrade that they make defensively by replacing Landale with Drew Eubanks. When you look at the money, it's about the same, so it, it, it all comes out in the wash, but they think that they probably got a player that fits better for their defensive metrics. I wonder, too, if part of it is... Frank Vogel wants guys that Frank Vogel wants. For sure. Whereas... New coach. Is Torrey Craig more of like a Monty guy? Is Biz a Monty guy? 
Terrence Ross and TJ Warren are those Monty guys, whereas Drew Eubanks, Yuta Watanabe, Keita Bates Diop, those are Frank Vogel guys. Yeah, I mean, I that, wonder. That's always part of it, right? I mean, we see that. How often do you see that in the NFL, where NFL coaches switch teams? They they go to be the OC in a new place, Look and the quarterback college. goes with them. Look at college. Right. Lincoln Riley brought like twenty five percent of the Oklahoma roster with him to USC, including the best player in college football. Yeah, <laughs> the guy so. who probably is going to go number one next year. Yeah. So no, I totally get what you're saying about that. You change coaches, and all of a sudden, uh, new players are valued in different ways. And I think that they did an incredible job of going to all these new players and saying, hey, come play for us and we have a very specific role carved out for you that you're going to excel in and then next year you could get paid a lot more. Coming up next, the big NBA story today. It happened just about an hour ago. We'll tell you what it is next on Arizona Sports Saturday.